Rangers fans, listen up. We are deep into the playoffs, and if you're participating in the tradition of growing out your beard to playoff lengths, then I have an offer for you. Head on over to norsebeards.com for all of your top-of-the-line beardsman needs. Looking to keep your beard from feeling itchy? Then you'll want to buy their all-natural beard oil. It will repair your dry or damaged beard and will make it unbelievably soft and smell great. Use promo code OCS in all caps to get a discount on beard products. Just because the Rangers are too young and incapable of growing facial hair doesn't mean you can't take care of your beard. So head over to NorseBeards.com now. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiMeglio, and this week we have a special episode for everyone. These are exciting times for Rangers fans as the New York Rangers have made it to the Eastern Conference Finals after winning Game 7 against the Carolina Hurricanes. As for this week's guest, I am joined by former NHLer and brief New York Ranger and current TSN analyst, Jamie McLennan. Jamie, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you? Um, Not too bad. Thanks for having me. And I apologize to people listening. I'm driving to work, but... uh, I uh, was very excited to spend some time with you. So uh, I love the the intro where you're like, uh, uh, what did you say? Brief, brief ranger. Yeah, brief. that was a brief, <laughs> a very brief stay, put it that way. But, uh, you know, obviously I spent a lot of time with the Islanders and then into the Rangers and uh, not that long, but man, uh, what a great organization. Certainly uh, in my brief time there, loved, uh, loved everything about playing for the Rangers and, you know, a storied franchise, put it that way. Yeah, so like when I was doing some background research on you, I I had fall I I know of you from back when I was in like fifth grade. I would turn on NHL on the fly in the morning and I'd watch the reruns, and you were always there every yeah. now and then. And uh, I looked you up, and it said you played for the Rangers. I checked your stats, and it says four games played. I'm like, man, this guy couldn't spend that. You only spent that much time. What a bummer. Yeah, man. I got I got traded at the deadline. Um. So I was playing for Calgary that season and I had broken my sternum. I got a slap shot in the right, right above the uh, uh, chest pad in Boston one night, Brian Rolston down the wall. Ooh. And, and it broke my, uh, it, it fractured my sternum, chipped my clavicle and I was all messed up. But I, I, I you know, being a backup, you, you can't really come out, you know, you're not, the minute you come out, you may, may never get back in. Right. So I kind of battled through and then, I was playing with Kippersoff and Roman Turk that year and Roman had hurt his knee. And when Roman came back, uh, I'd gotten healthy enough uh, to be expendable and I got traded for Chris Simon and Cy ended up going on a great run uh, with the flames because he was a fantastic player and a tough, I, I, you know, a tough presence. And unfortunately, I mean, as, as things went good for me in Calgary, I got to the Rangers and I don't know if you remember, if you go back into that year, that was a disaster. They were selling off players right at the deadline. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they traded Leach and Barnaby. and It was like every day somebody else was going. So I kind of went in there and I was on restricted free agents. So I think I wouldn't say I was a throw in, but they, they knew what they were getting is uh, a guy for the rest of the season. But it was kind of neat to go back to New York. And obviously, like I said, I started my career with the Islanders. So I was familiar with the area, uh, loved everything about it. But it, it was kind of a, 
you know, for lack of better words, things were a little bit of a shit show just based on, you know, them moving players out. They, you know, Bobby Holik was there. I think my defensemen were like Chris McAllister and Dale Purrington. And like, there was a, there was a mishmash of players that were involved. So it was a great experience, but uh, we knew where we were in the standings, put it that way. I figured because you were a goalie, I'd ask you about Benoit Allaire, but I realized that he was hired in July 2004, which is just after you had played yeah. for the Rangers. So that's a bit of a bummer. Uh, so you didn't get to work with him, right? I didn't. Um, certainly know of him and Francois. Unbelievable reputation. Roberto Luongo swears by the Allaire brothers. Um, you know, every French Canadian goaltender that worked with them talk, rave about what the, the body of work that they do, um, how they make their goaltenders better. So, you know, I don't disagree with that. You know, Benoit's reputation precedes him. Uh, obviously, he's done great work with the Rangers organization. I, uh, I think he's been a staple there in helping guys get to the next level. So, no, I didn't get to work with him, but certainly, uh, um, you know, knew of him and have met him several times. Fantastic person as well. Really nice guy. So is it true that you're also known as Noodles? Yes, yes. How did you and, get that nickname? I'm, I'm very curious to hear about this. Okay, so it's not a sexy story. I wish I could tell you this like crazy. You know, I was at the bar and this happened, but it wasn't. So junior hockey, now keep in mind, I'm 50 years old. So I played junior hockey, junior pro like 33 years ago. So think about what the world looked like 33. We're not on smartphones on Zoom and, you know, TikTok and Twitter and all these things. Like there was one plug in on the bus and we used to, I played for the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Spokane Chiefs. We used to eat pregame dinner at some of these like crappy, um, you know, diners at the side of the road. Uh And, you know, it's a seven hour bus ride and you'd be eating Salisbury steak and mashed potatoes and, would you have heartburn? Of course you'd have heartburn because you know, you're, you're eating this garbage before the game. So I, for, I, I was like, I can't do it anymore. So I started bringing a crock pot on the bus and I would plug the crock pot into the one plug in and I would make macaroni and cheese craft dinner. <laughs> and, and after a while, some of the guys are like, yeah, we don't want heartburn too. So then you know, after a while, I was like cooking craft dinner for guys on the bus. And, you know, if it was a shorter trip and what I talk about in the Western Hockey League, like it was nothing for a seven hour bus ride to play a game. So you're like you're that's seven hours on the bus and then you turn around and, and bus back seven hours. So it's uh, in the Western League, it certainly battle tested battle tests you. So, um, you know, I just that nickname kind of stuck with me. It's like noodles. It, it's not a sexy nickname and it's really the day that's kind of what happened and you know 33 years later i'm still known as noodles so uh, uh and i still do like craft dinner because i got young children so i eat it once a week easily with my kids i gotcha yeah yeah i i mean even as an italian i prefer oh man people are gonna hate me for this but i prefer the craft mac and cheese over like real mac and cheese <laughs> people get mad at me for that <laughs> But I mean, I, I, I like that nickname. I think that I think that's great. I mean, I would, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I'd much rather have the night before competition. Don't eat any red meat. Have carbs. Carb up. Like, don't do that. That's gonna yeah. kill you. Um. Anyway, so after you finished your playing career, 
How did you kind of transition to becoming an analyst on NHL Network and TSN? So what happened is when I first retired, I got into kind of scouting and special assignments for the Calgary Flames and, you know, kind of basically answered, answered to Daryl Sutter and did everything and then worked for his brother, Dwayne, in, in player development. And then they transmit, trans, uh, transitioned me into the goalie coach and I did that for a couple of years and worked with my former goalie partner, Mika Kippersoff. And it was awesome. I had a great relationship with him, obviously. And then uh, they weren't going to renew my contract on the goalie coach. They wanted me to go back into player development. And that same day that they announced I was not going to be back, I got an email from Dan in Toronto saying, would you be interested in, you know, trying TV and radio? So I flew out that weekend. Uh, I ended up being on a couple panels. I was okay. Let's be honest. I wasn't, I was, wasn't great, but I think they felt like maybe there was something there. Obviously I'm not shy to talk. So, um, you know, they, they brought me back and brought me back again and they were starting a, a radio station called TSN 1050. So I said, well, if you guys want me to do this, I'll move to Toronto and, you know, I got to get better. You need reps. So they ended up putting me on radio and TV. And then I guess that's 11 years later, I've been with them. And uh, the NHL network was out of the same studio at TSN before the rights changed. And I was working for the NHL network, which I loved because it was, man, that's training, like live on the job, like on NHL on the fly. You're just kind of, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, talking hockey. So it was great training. And I loved it. And to this day, I've, I've got a lot of friends still in at the NHL Network. I'm, I think they're more affiliated with um, the other shop here in Toronto, which is Sportsnet. So I'm not on it anymore, unfortunately. But uh, if the national rights change again, I would love to get back and back in there because there's some great people at the network. But you're currently you currently work on the show Overdrive, right? I do. That's a TSN uh TSN radio and TSN TV. Yeah, that's uh, Overdrive, which is on TV and streaming and all that. And then I'm on other shows called That's Hockey. And I do Sports Center and I do color uh, commentating for uh, the Ottawa Senators and a little bit of the Leafs. I do about 40 games a year. So uh, they keep me busy, put it that way. Mm -hmm. Lots of talking. Lots of talk about with the, the Senators and the Leafs. That's like two completely different teams. It's like the Leafs just keep hitting a brick wall. They can't get, get through it. And the Senators are like a young, up-and-coming, exciting team. Yeah. Uh, lots to talk about there. But anyways, I was listening to your segment yesterday. You guys had Justin Williams on. And I mean, that's that's the definition of taking advantage of a great opportunity. Obviously, because the Rangers and the Hurricanes were about to play Game 7, right? So, right. unfortunately unfortunately for the canes they ended up falling to the rangers in in game seven six to two for their first loss on home ice they're in like the entire playoffs rangers fans yeah. we take those we take those that it doesn't <laughs> happen um but i wanted to get i wanted to get your thoughts on on game seven i know you said that you you were you predicted canes but you said the other goalie scares me to quote you absolutely I mean, doesn't Shesterkin scare everybody? Uh -huh. the, guy had the, the guy had the best season. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, I've said this, and I said this last night on SportsCenter after the game. I said, Vasilevsky is the most battle-tested goaltender, and he might be the best goaltender on the planet. But that doesn't mean Shesterkin didn't have the best season on the planet. And he did. So you've got 
if you believe like these are the two best goalies on the planet right now going head to head and you know do you give the edge to Vasilevsky just because you know he won the con Smythe last year he's won two cups probably but that doesn't mean that um Chesterkin can't steal games and be an um, an unbelievable dominant force I'm a huge fan of his I'm obviously I love Vasilevsky I call him John Wick because he's the <laughs> boogeyman he's he, he, he should scare people because he's he's a freak in nature in net because he's big. All if I had to compare Shesterkin to Vasilevsky, I, I think Vasilevsky's just a bigger Shesterkin, or Shesterkin's a smaller Vasilevsky, and not by much, but just if you look at the physical stature. I don't know if you've ever walked by Vasilevsky. He's as big as a mascot. Like he's got a <laughs> giant head. He's got this like really wide base of a body and he's just built to be a goaltender. Um, I've walked by Shesterkin before and he's kind of got that male model look like the long hair and like, <laughs> you know, just like a lot like Hank. I mean, you got to live, I guess if you're, if you're going to be in net for the Rangers, you got to be good looking. Maybe that's why they got rid of me. I looked like a old bag of dirt <laughs> saddlebag with eyes, but uh, you know, honestly, I just, when I look at those two goaltenders, it, they are as good as they, it gets. And, you know, the scary part is it might be one of these like crazy high scoring series where both of them don't really factor in, but Shesterkin is a, he's a game breaker for me. And I know it was a bit rough against Pittsburgh for him for a couple of games, but since then he's been unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And to me, he just settles that team down. And when I look at the Rangers, you know, I'll be honest, I don't think they're super structured. I think they play a really loose game, but you can play a loose game when you've got somebody like that in net and you've got the confidence to go. Yeah. If I turn the puck over here, this guy back in the net will cover it up for me. And that's kind of what the Rangers do. And they got going. Um, I was happy for them. Obviously Kreider. Uh, I saw his stats in game seven. You know, the thing is, is I don't cheer for any team because I kind of know guys on each team. So you're just happy for guys to have success. So it was nice to see the Rangers get through. It's nice to see an original six team. That fan base travels well. Uh, I think it's going to be a great series against Tampa. Obviously, the league has to be happy with just how big of a market New York is and, and to get that fanfare there. Uh, I was talking to my wife this morning. I'm like, we might have to try and sneak down and catch a game in person because I think it would be, it'd be great. But uh, uh, getting back to the goalie matchup, there's no better matchup right now to to watch, so I'm pretty excited about it. So the Eastern Conference has Shesterkin versus Vasilevsky, and the Western Conference has Mc, McDavid versus McKinnon. So it's just like the two superstar matchups. You can't draw it up any better than that, I would say. Um, and to I pick your, I wanted to I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. You said the Rangers play a, a bit of a loose style. Uh, can you can you go into more detail on that? Is that like just like how they are in the forecheck? like compared to like Carolina, who's all in your face, like a relentless style team? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I'm not going to break down neutral zone and, you know, four checks and all that, but even the, the uh, let's just, I'll just go this way. Their players play a, a certain style. So I'm a Panarin fan, but I get frustrated with them because there's nights where Panarin is a world beater, like a literally best player on the planet. And there's other nights where he has his suit on underneath his gear and doesn't want to break any sweat. So you're, you're going, okay, this guy is literally per perimeter tonight, not, not involved, 
not engaged physically. So, you know, what does he bring into the table? Well, all he needs is one shot or one pass, and he's a difference maker because that's how talented he is. But, like, the, the way Carolina's built, you just talked about it. They're four-check, you know, how hard they are on hard on pucks. I think the Rangers can be that, but I think there's pockets of their play that are very loose, that are turn away from the puck instead of going through the puck. Um, you know, a little bit more passive in the neutral zone instead of slowing attackers down. Uh, I think Adam Fox is a superstar. He's so poised with the puck. But, uh, you know, you look at, like, even a guy like Lindgren, who's, you know, I think he's underrated because he, he's, he's a warrior. He, he battles mm-hmm. hard back there. But just some of their forwards, and I'm not here to kick anybody in the junk, it's just some of the way that those players play, if they have it that night, they're world beaters. If they don't have it, hey, let's see what the goalie can do because he's, he might have to steal one for us. That's kind of what I mean by how loose that team is because they certainly know how to play. They know how to play with structure. They can play a tight game, but there's nights where it's like, yeah, that might be a little bit more difficult than I want to put that effort in. And whereas I look at other teams that are battle-tested in the playoffs, uh, you were just talking about Carolina. To a man, they all play the same way. And that's like a Brindamore coach team mm-hmm. where, whereas, you know, I think uh, Turk, like I think Gerard Gallant is a guy that, you know, is, is very honest and hard on his players, but I think he gives them a little bit of freedom to kind of like, ah, you want to try that play? Go ahead. And I don't know. I'm sure you saw it. Like Panarin's quote, was that last week where he was like, uh, you know, talking about, yeah, I want to try some, you know, what at the blue line and all that. And, you know, but I, I can't right now. So I thought that was funny because at least he identified, okay, I'm not going to get stupid in the playoffs in a close game. So that's kind of what I meant about, you know, the difference between the Rangers and a team that, you know, maybe is habitually just a little bit more tighter um, consistently through a game. Honestly, I, I don't think you're far off. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head because I mean, in discussion with Rangers fans, after losses, we always say, like, all right, where was the top six tonight? They were nowhere to be found. Like, through the first two games and then game five where we lost, we didn't get enough offense. And a lot of people pointed to Panarin's, Panarin's, Abanajag, Kreider, their lackluster play, Cop maybe, Strom. They couldn't get the puck in the back of the net, and they had to rely on the kids' line, or as we like to call it in New York, uh, the lottery line. Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl. You like yeah. that, don't you? <laughs> I think that's good. That's a good line. I mean, you know, young kids and high draft picks, right? So it's good. Yeah, I mean, um, but I, I, I agree. I'll, I'll, I'll agree somewhat with you on the the loose style of play. Uh, it's good to hear that you went into detail about it. I mean, uh, the Rangers, by no means, I don't think they're the best team uh, remaining. It's just they're out of the four teams, they're the underdog. I'd say. Out of all of them. I didn't expect them to get this far. Well, here, I'll I'll even elaborate more on it. Is Edmonton, until they got their act together here in the playoffs, same style, loose, give up chances, rely on their goaltending too much, outscore their problems. Like, I'm not suggesting that's what the Rangers are all about. It's just when you look at a team that's built like that, and obviously I I follow Steve Valaket's um, you know, CSA stats and all that. Like I, you know, I, I'm a hockey guy, pure and pure, but I understand the analytics. So I, 
I'm not a guy who, you know, I don't live uh, on analytics, but I don't live just on instinct alone too. I try and tie the two together because I think that gives you the most information. You know, it's, it's not hard to go. Yeah. Uh, Panarin's a hell of a player. Like no, no, you know, no joke. Right. We obviously know he's a great player, but like, I like seeing stats where, you know, Shesterkin's goals saved above as expected stuff like that, where it's like, man, that was a stolen game. Like he was that good because they gave up, you know, 17 high quality chances. Like that's what I, you know, I mean, when I'm, I'm looking at systematic play, they're a team that I think is fine with going, okay, we'll give up a chance if we can get one at the other end too. And that's, you know, there are certain teams that are not shy to do that. And so if you're looking at the four remaining teams, Edmonton and the Rangers are more like that. Whereas I think Colorado is just such, to me, they're buttoned up. Like I, I think Colorado, their D are so mobile and they control the pace from the back end so much with McCarr and, and Taze, even Gerard, obviously Gerard with the injury, uh, the Bowen Byram's a star. I don't even know if you people pay attention to that because there's just a, there's how much depth they have. Mm -hmm. But I look at, at Colorado as, is kind of no weaknesses. Like they're just, they're a really buttoned up team. And I talked about, you know, Vasilevsky, me calling him John Wick. I don't know how many times I talked to people in Tampa were like, Tampa knows how to play. They know how to win. They know how to do everything. But there's games where they're flat out asleep in the first period. And Vasilevsky makes six or seven big saves. And then they're like, oh, okay, let's wake up and like start to play. Um, you know, the one comparison when I talk about a guy like Panarin, where you either notice or you don't notice, like Kucherov has that. Kucherov makes hockey look easy. Like it's just, it's almost like hockey's too easy for him. Have you ever watched him in a, in ISO cam? Can you count on one hand how many times he's at full speed? Cause he's always just kind of hovering around the outside and then he's opportunistic. Yeah. I'll speed up. I'll slow down. I'll, I'll draw players to me. I'll distribute the puck. Like that's the way he plays. So you know, it's, it's how your team is built. Well, the Rangers have that. And that's why I thought it was interesting when you've got Goudreau coming back. Uh, Andrew Kopp, I think, is a fantastic player because he's, he's kind of a, a Swiss Army knife. can play in every situation. So that might be, as the stakes get higher, what the Rangers would be all right at is if they can tighten their game up but still get the production from, you know, their top players if they can find a little bit of loose ice. So... Yeah, I mean, I think Tampa and Colorado are the two best teams. But am I betting against McDavid and Dreisaitl? Am I sleeping on Shesterkin? No. Like, that's the thing. Star power. That's what we're seeing in the playoffs right now. Like, stars are getting it done. And, and I think everyone's getting their money's worth. So I know I'm getting wordy and long-winded here. But honest to God, like, I, I think it, the league is at a really good spot with some of these stars kind of front and center. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and don't worry about going into details. I love it. I think that's good. More details, the the better for for the podcast sake. But uh, anyways, uh, going into the playoffs, is this? Did you have the Rangers and the Oilers going as far as the conference finals, or was that like just out of the question for you? Edmonton, I didn't have them going this far. I thought they'd lose to Calgary. I just thought, you know. Calgary and it's not because I'm a former flame I grew up in Edmonton and some of my best friends are Oiler fans and you know 
this car I'm driving technically could be could have been paid for by the flames, if you want to argue, because I was with <laughs> them for seven, seven years. But like I always joke, like people are like, are you a Flames fan? Are you an Oilers fan? I'm not a fan of, you know, any team per se, but I'm a fan of players. So when you look at Calgary, the way their team was built and how consistent they were this season, I, I thought they were going to beat Edmonton with their defensive play, with their relentless physicality. Uh, the goaltender Markstrom was as good. I mean, you know, Markstrom's a best in the finalist. Just Sturkin's going to win it. But, you know, Markstrom had an unbelievable season, nine shutouts this year. Uh, so when I look at it, um, you know, I thought Calgary would physically lean on uh, the Oilers and kind of dismantle them because I do think they're looser defensively. Uh, Mike Smith, coin flip. You don't know what you're getting from him. 40 mm -hmm. years old. He's a guy who's, you know, he's a hard worker in the net, but there's things where you're like, wow, that, I didn't see that coming, you know, and, and he's rolling around in the net, but he got it done. Uh, the injury to Darnell Nurse, he's been battling through. You can tell something's not right there. Dreisaitl with the high ankle sprain, uh, you know, against L.A. with the, uh, I think that was Anderson that kind of pulled him down. So, you know, there's a lot of like, um, to me, things going in, but I didn't think Edmonton was going to make it. And to be honest, out east, I, I couldn't figure it out because, you know, I kept thinking, okay, is, are the Leafs going to beat Tampa? Because the Leafs are a really good team. But, you know, why, why am I doubting Tampa? Because John Wick's in net, and how are you going to beat mm -hmm. him four times? Um, you know, I talked about Shesterkin, like, and, and, and star power. Like, the star power is getting it done in the playoffs. So, you know, Kreider has his best season. He's dominant. Well, he scores two last night. Like, you know, he continues on. Zabanajad is a star. Um, you know, I, I watched him as a kid in Ottawa when I was covering those games. Uh, you could tell that there was, you know, a, a special player there. I think it just took a little bit for him to kind of, you know, become a, an everyday pro, if that means anything. So, you know, did I think Pittsburgh, did I doubt Crosby? And I, I have a tough time doubting Crosby because he's that mm -hmm. good. And, and Sid, so I had a tough time with the Eastern Conference because I also, I also thought that Florida was built really well. Like I thought Bobrovsky had gotten his act together, um, you know, in net. And then, you know, Ekblad coming back. I, I liked their, their depth up front. You know, Verhage, guys like that, who, you know, had really found another level this year. But I, just before I came on, I saw uh, the goals, what is goals saved above expected. Uh, that Florida series, I don't know if you saw it, the, the expected goals were 11 and Florida scored three. So that's how good Shesterkin was. He saved eight goals above expected in that series. Or Vasilevsky. So, uh, sorry, Vasilevsky. Sorry yeah. about that. Shesterkin. Yeah, Vasilevsky was good in that series. Sorry, I get the two of them, the, the names. <laughs> yeah, that's how, good, that's how good Vasilevsky was in that series. Is he saved eight goals above expected. So, you know, you put eight goals behind Vasilevsky in that series, we're not looking at a sweep. We're looking at, you know, maybe a, a six games or seven games or you name it. So that's the type of stuff that, you know, I, I think it's uh, impressive to go through. So again, rambling, but uh, uh, I could see the Rangers there based on the goalie and, and based, I mean, their power play got going. What is it? 44% uh, in the playoffs. I think I read that seven for 16. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there, again, for the predictions, what also made it difficult for you, I'm sure is, you know, Pittsburgh didn't have their, their starting goalie in game one. Man, Jari was man, out. Oh, man. You got Louis Domingue eating 
pork or whatever that called that, that <laughs> spicy the pork, pork spicy pork and not the best and like it was a great sound bite i'm like but louis a three you know you're you're on you're on your third goaltender it's a battle like look at poor carolina last night you know that you know freddie anderson and, and ranta win the jennings anderson's nowhere to be found and ranta you know he's a he's a good two and you know they ultimately now you're down to your third last night after the injury so you know goaltending means so much and i always say this you only notice that you don't have you you notice the goaltenders when you don't have it and that's the luxury that the rangers uh don't have to battle with because they've got great goaltending so yeah i had a, a tough time with predictions because you know if pittsburgh you know if tristan jerry was there for the full seven games it might have looked different you never know Maybe the Penguins would have closed out that series. They did get ah, to they, they they did get to three before, yeah. uh, before the Rangers made their comeback. I mean, five and zero oh in elimination games is kind of incredible. It is incredible. I think the Rangers just set the record for most elimination wins in a single playoff run. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but a lot of people have been talking like the Rangers have only gotten this far because they <laughs> played backup goalies. I know my answer to this, but I wanted to know your thoughts. Like, would you take anything away from them? From, no, from, no, yeah. they like, it's not like, okay. So I get it. Yes. If Tristan Jerry was there, Frederick Anderson is there, but you know, like when you look at, I always say this, when you look at NHL.com right now, they don't put an asterisk beside the Rangers moving on and going, Sorry, Jerry wasn't there. Sorry, Frederick Anderson wasn't available. Uh, this defenseman was hurt. If this would have happened, you know, like that's why you play the games. I live in Toronto. The Toronto uh, Raptors won the NBA uh, title championship. I was here for it. And they were playing Golden State. And that year, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant got hurt during the finals. Like, so the Raptors were going to go, okay, sorry, you know what? You don't have your full team, so we're not going to play. Like, it's unfortunate. Like, cup winners and, and teams that go far, a lot of it is through the luck through luck and health. Because, you know, if, if a guy's not available to you, it absolutely sucks. And, yes, there's a bunch of what-ifs. But ultimately, I could say, well, what if Shusterkin didn't implode those two games in Pittsburgh and look like Jamie McLennan? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you know, there's a bunch of what ifs and that's why we play the games. So, you know, I, I would say that to a Rangers fan, like, an, or even to a fan outside, like, okay, yeah, there's a bunch of what ifs and, you know, question marks surrounding that. Yeah. Louis Domingue and spicy pork is playing for a couple games. Is it optimal for Pittsburgh? Absolutely not. But that's the, the hand they got dealt and they had to fight through it. Last I checked, Crosby and Malkin and Latang were still playing and, you know, Jeff Carter and all their big boys, like, you know, they, they had an opportunity to, to, to close it out and to, to get it done. And weren't they up? What, you know, was three, one, weren't you up three, one. Yep. If you're Pittsburgh, they, Pittsburgh was right. up three, one. Yeah. So, you know, there's a bunch of what ifs and coulda, shoulda, to be honest, that's, you got, you play with what's in front of you instead of, you know, going back and, you know, I say excuses are for losers. That's, that's to be, to be honest, that's the truth. Like, you know, you never hear a winning team making excuses. <laughs> like, you know, I just, I've never heard a team that has advanced going, you know what? We didn't deserve to advance because we didn't play against their, their starting goaltender. Or we, you know, when we got that call, 
you know, I, I didn't hear McDavid the other day going, you know what, we don't deserve to move, move on here against Calgary because that Blake Coleman goal should have counted. So I don't know. I, I, that's kind of how I feel. I don't know how you feel, but I, I just, I get it. I think there's an argument there, but I also, I, I think, you know, every team is dealing with adversity, every team right now. I think I learned that lesson. I mean, I've learned and relearned the lesson multiple times as a fan from years of watching the Rangers play in the playoffs. And I think I learned it game one of the first round when Kako's goal got called back. I blame the, the referees for that. The Rangers could have, should have won that game, but they didn't three overtimes and it, you know, it cost them. They didn't win. But I mean, eventually I think you just got to put your head down and just keep playing regardless. Like what you were saying, winning teams it, don't do that. It, it's It's just rare that it's rare that you see like, the best team lose in, especially in a seven game series. Like it could be, Hey, two great teams battled and one team had to win. I get that. And I, I would argue that I thought Pittsburgh was a great team, a team that battled uh, adversity all season long injuries and, you know, inconsistencies and, and, and they found a way to get it done. Um, You know, could I've seen them win that series? Sure. But could I have seen the Rangers win that series? Absolutely. So, you know, sometimes two good teams face off. And that's what we're seeing, especially in the East. Um, I did the stat the other day. Out of the 16 teams that made the playoffs, I think 13 had 100 points or more. Like, those are great seasons. Like, you knew that good teams were going home. And, and, and LA Kings had 99 points. They had a season where... I don't think anybody expected them to make the playoffs. So, you know, there, there's disappointment everywhere in hockey. Um, you know, Pittsburgh had a great season. I, th- I don't think they have anything to hang their head with. Uh, Rod Brindamore, I heard him last night. They made progress. They feel like they had 116 points this year. Like, that's a hell of a season. You know, they're a great team. It's just the Rangers found a way to get it done. That's a, And you have to give them a tip of the cap. That's the way I feel. I agree with you on that. And then going back to the what if scenarios, I think the biggest one that I've heard uh, Uh from social media and from people talking uh, is, you know, what if Trouba didn't elbow Crosby? What if Trouba didn't hit Jarvis incredibly hard last night? And there's talk that he's, he might be a dirty player. I don't think that at all. What do you think? I think, I think Jacob Trouba's a hell of a player. I really do. And it's not illegal to hit hard. I know in today's game, the game has changed um, to a point where Tom Wilson's the boogeyman. Uh, Jacob Truga is the boogeyman. Like those guys, like I take them on my team any day of the week, man. Like they're, they're a, they're a unicorn nowadays because it's rare. It's rare where you got like a guy, you know, it's an art to hit somebody hard and hit them clean. You never want to see an injury. There's a difference. I don't want to see Jarvis get injured. I don't want to see Sidney Crosby get injured. That's not the case. You're not out to injure people, but you're allowed in the playoffs to finish your check. You're allowed in the playoffs to hit as hard as you can. And it's such a cliche. um, And I, I lived by it. And everyone that I played with, every hit is an investment. When you're playing a seven game series and you're finishing your check, there are guys by game seven. It's like, I don't want this guy to come near me again because he's been destroying me left and right. That's Jacob Truba. Like he hits hard. And when he times it properly, 
which I thought he timed it properly. I didn't have a problem with the Jarvis hit at last night, other than the fact that, you know, guy Jarvis got injured and sucks. So, you know, it sucks for Carolina. It sucks for him. But ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, I had no problem with, with uh, Jacob Truba, uh, his hits. And, you know, the Crosby one, um, I'm just trying to remember. I, I watched it. I didn't have – I there was no supplemental discipline for that, correct? No, none. No, I, I, I remember thinking that it was unfortunate, but, like, Truba's a, a house. He's, you know, and, and it, when, you, when guys put themselves in a situation to be hit and, you know, you're reaching for the puck or you're battling for position, you're allowed to do that. I think of one of the, the hits that Jacob Truba, I don't know if you remember this, he was still playing, I believe he was playing for, might have been with Winnipeg. You remember he hit Austin Matthews, and I think he popped his shoulder out. He might have been with the Rangers. I'm, I, but it was a clean, hard hit, and Matthews tried to challenge middle ice, and Truba said, not on my watch, and he hit him hard. And I think, you know, it injured Matthews, and he was out for a significant amount of time, I believe. But you know, you're still allowed to hit. I get it that the league is getting away from headhunting and predatory hits. I, I, I don't disagree that they should, but I have had no problem with the way that Jacob Truba plays. If anything, that's how he has to play. Cause I think he is a guy that we know he's got a good shot from the point. I think he's got a decent first pass, you know, it, it, but his wheelhouse has to be physical, closing off lanes, owning the boards, and making it hard for every time. Like I say this, and this is what an- analytics can't quantify. And, and I, I joke, cause Jerome McGinley used to say this all the time. He goes, if you're going on a two on two and let's say Chara, let's you're going against Chara and his partner. Whose, whose side do you want to go down? Cause Chara makes you pay every time. And there's no analytic for like, um, uh, a guy, which path he chooses and which defenseman he wants to go against. He's going to, I'll take that guy wide because he's not going to run me through the gra- the glass. And I think Truba, there's no analytic for intimidation. And I think Truba's a guy that, um, you know, you're aware he's on the ice. And that's a good thing if you're a, a Ranger fan, because you're like, when that guy's on the ice, the other team knows he's on the ice and knows that, he will take an opportunity. If you're in a, in a, in a vulnerable position, he's going to finish his check. And it's not about injuring. It's about, Hey, I'm going to finish this guy where that, where, wherever he is on the ice. So that's the type of stuff where um, I, I have no problem with it because it's few and far between nowadays, because you do have stay at home defensemen that play that way, but chances are they're like a six on your roster. So they don't play against top players a lot because Maybe they just don't have the skill set to, you know, keep up in that play or, you know, the matchups. You might get that on the road because, you know, the coach might have a quick change and, hey, let's sneak out a star player against a, a number six defenseman. But for the most part, if you can play, if you've got a top four defenseman that can play that hard and that physical, you welcome it. I like the way you put it with, with Trooper that the, those kinds of players don't really come around anymore. <laughs> Truba is a unicorn nowadays. That's your ice cold take of the week. Okay, there we go. He is. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is in a sense. You know, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I don't have like his underlying numbers in front of me. So somebody would be like, "You're an idiot." His, you know, whatever. His shot share is coursey. All of that stuff would come at me and be like, 
yeah, he plays like a replacement level defenseman or whatever. Well, I don't think anybody's, you know, complaining about his play right now. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference between a Tuesday night in November in you know, Ottawa and, you know, uh, what we saw last night, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the physical and, and a guy who's engaged and, and really tough to play against. And I think those have to be separated. Um, so, yeah, he's a he's a guy that, you know, I, I would have to check his underlying numbers. But to be honest, I think he's quite an impactful defenseman when he's on his game. When he's on his game. Yeah. And then when he's off his game, he's kind of it's noticeable. Like he takes he takes penalties and it costs his team. Sure. Because you know why I would think he takes penalties and stuff because he's late on the play. You know, know, when you're, when your timing is off and you want to be a physical guy or you want to close off the cycle or you want to be hard on the boards and you know, maybe you're a half second late or a half second delayed or your read is off. That's when you start getting, you know, the old hooking or the can opener or you're reaching out with the right hand because you're slightly late, but when you're on it, man, like there's, you're on it and the play dies because you are, you're right there and you're able to shut it down. All right. And a uh, couple last questions before for you, before I let you go Two more uh, sure. pick to win the Stanley cup, go ahead. I had uh, Colorado at the start of the season. I just felt, you know, what, what is weird in his year end media availability. I think everyone has lip service. Like they're, everyone's like, yeah, you know, I like my year. Yeah. You know, all of that. I don't know if you remember Nathan McKinnon, he was so pissed. And he's like, I've been in this league for nine years and I've accomplished nothing. And that was one of the most honest comments I had heard. And he's a competitor and he seems like a guy who really will get on his teammates. I saw him the other night yelling at Bednar when he lost a defensive zone draw. Like he's a, he's a real competitor. And I remember thinking like Joe Sackick has to double down with this group. He's got to get a goaltender. He's got to make sure they're, they're deeper as far as physically. I think they got pushed out of games. So he went and got a few bigger bodies um, kind of in that, the middle to the bottom of their roster. Uh, I like the Josh Manson, you know, talk about a, a third pairing guy who plays a physical, you know, game. That's, you know, that's what Manson did. I don't think they expect Manson to go end to end and make plays. They're expecting Manson to be tough in front of the net and make it life difficult. So I, I think Colorado did what's necessary. That being said, um, Who's beaten Tampa four times? Like, who's beaten Vasilevsky four times? Like, how good is that team? Like, you know, the the one thing that I will say is I saw Braden Point didn't skate today. I don't if he's not available, they're a weaker team. Like mm-hmm. Braden Point is an absolute rock star of a player. Um, so that might make things tough, but you know, given how Tampa was they found a way to beat Toronto because they were smart about it. And then the goaltender was brilliant in game six and seven. And then against Florida, the goalie stole game four. He was unbelievable. And we talked about goal saved uh, above expectation. And then, you know, they're battle tested. So I'm saying Colorado, I'm going out on a limb, but that means only because I always choose the wrong thing. So it's probably going to be Tampa. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Last question for you. Igor Shesterkin, heart trophy or no? I had, okay, I'll be honest. Um, I, I voted, I, I was one of the voters and he was in my top three. Okay. All so right. I don't have him winning the heart. Um, but I had, 
he had to be in my top. He had to be in the conversation. You don't have a special year like that and not get acknowledged. And I read a stat and I was very adamant when I did my whole research on who I was voting for and stuff. Um, when Hasek won the Vesna and the Heart, I believe it was in 05 and 06 and 07 and 08, something like that. Don't quote me on the years. His goal, uh, his save percentage was like 0.26 above league average. Shesterkin is like, was the 0.29 or 0.31. I can't remember. I, I had it written down at home. That's, that's how good he was above league average. Like for, for everybody else. Like, he had a special year. Hasek won the heart when Gretzky, Lemieux, all these guys were in the league. That's how good Hasek was. Shesterkin was that good this year. So I always, in Toronto, where everyone's like, Matthews and 60 goals, I'm like, yes. But you don't realize how good Shesterkin's playing. And then the argument, well, should a goaltender be in there? Well, yeah. I mean, you could put all goalies in because they are the most important position. Because like I said, if you don't have goaltending, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you watched every game for the Rangers. How how many nights were did you say, okay, they don't get a win tonight if it's not for the goalie? Jamie, um, this team would be competing for a first overall pick if they didn't have Igor Shesterkin. <laughs> I am telling you, you this. Like the, I can't there. tell you how many times this goaltender has bailed bailed out the New York Rangers. It's just from the start of the season. I know game one was played by Georgiev, whatever, but every single game Shesterkin has played, it's like he keeps he keeps the, the team in, in there. Kind of like Lundqvist. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, you know what? Think of the – we were talking about this on air the other day. Think of the – how spoiled a Rangers fan has been for goaltending. You went from <laughs> Rick Richter, which I love Ricky. So you went from Richter to Lundqvist to Shesterkin. Like that's – that's goaltender royalty where teams can't, they can't find goaltenders. They're, you know, they're signing and trading for goaltenders year in and year out. And you're like, oh, that team's really good. Well, their Achilles heel, goaltending. Like the Rangers have had goaltending royalty for how long? Like mm-hmm. literally, you know, 30, was it going to be 30 years? Like something like that. And how long is Shesterkin going to play? He's just, you know, he's just, just getting warmed up. You know, so um, it's a pretty cool thing. So, yes, he is. Uh, I don't believe he'll win it, but he has to be. For me, it was a top three. He had to be a top three for me. I was like, you know, McDavid, Matthews, Shesterkin, uh, Huberto, Goudreau, uh, Yossi. I had about a seven or eight pack that I had to really do a deep dive on. And you can make a case in a regular season for any one of them. But uh, Shesterkin, like I was fighting hard for him because I believed he had that special of a season. All right. I like to hear that. Rangers fans will also love to hear that. And I guess that wraps up this episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, This is awesome. Well, thanks for having me. We'll uh, chat again soon and uh, we'll see how this unfolds. Like my, I should have asked you, what's your, uh, what's your prediction for this series? Do you think the Rangers can do it in seven? I'll say in se- Yeah. If the Rangers win, it's got to be in seven. It's either to me, it's like Tampa in four or five or Rangers in seven. Well, I feel like the first, the, the worst thing that could happen is if like, 
I don't know, it was a Kreider last night that's like, yeah, we're good at kind of coming from behind. And I'm like, yeah, you don't want to do that against Tampa. Like, you don't want to fall, you know, two games behind and, and then go, okay, let's get our act together because you might not be able to get it back. So the Rangers got to hit the ground running and hope that Tampa is a bit rusty from the nine days off and and go right at it because, um, you know, I, I, I do believe – Shesterkin's going to have to steal one game, maybe two. And then, and then you go and you maybe catch Vasilevsky on an off night. And then, and then you go at it coin flip in a game seven, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I see it unfolding. If I saw a Rangers scenario win. So. They got to take advantage of the home ice too, because they do have home ice surprisingly this round. Yeah, I agree. And walking up that ramp as a player, to that fifth floor when you get off the bus uh, playing MSG, you feel like you're walking up a mountain. You got no legs. I just remember always saying, <laughs> like, are we done yet? Oh, we're not even to the game. We're not even in the dressing room yet. I'm like, my legs were always dead walking up that ramp. So I love it. MSG is the greatest building in the world. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.